I'm Sanaz. And I'm Rachel. And this is our podcast, Nobody Asked Us, where two friends talk about their completely unsolicited opinions. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the idea of quitting. Um, so this is a, an idea that's kind of on the forefront of the cultural zeitgeist. It, and it's being talked about in a way that hasn't really been done before, whether it's the idea of, quote unquote, quiet quitting um, to like the mass wave of people leaving their jobs during COVID. This is a topic that really sparked our interest, especially given the fairly recent resignation of one of our shared idols, uh, <laughs> the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, who announced that she would be leaving because she was completely, she said she was burned out. She said she had no gas in the tank left. Um, and for a fairly popular and especially mm -hmm. on the international stage politician at the top of her game, this is a pretty rare occurrence. So uh, we wanted to talk about this. Uh, and Sanaz, did you want to start us off with your yeah, thoughts? Yeah. So this one, I thought this one was really interesting because my first thoughts was, wow, like, someone in power being willing to walk away from power. Like when have mm -hmm. we ever seen that? And I couldn't help but think like, oh, funny how a woman leader can do that. But it feels like so many men just clench onto power. Um, right. But it's interesting. It's like, depending on your status and position, like I think this one would be qualified as stepping down versus quitting. Um, and it just made me think broader, like what does it mean to know when it's your time, right? For something that could be indefinite. And, you know, obviously there's elections and things, but um, it, it was just really, I, I, I'm really fascinated by people that are like, you know what, it's my time. I'm gonna go out on a high um, and on to the next thing. So I thought about that more in the context of like artists and people that create like movies and TV shows and book series. But in terms of politics, like this feels really new. So yeah, mm -hmm. I just thought it would be fascinating. and you know, obviously like very sad because she's such a different politician from the rest. And I just feel like this exit is yet another way that she's like set her own trail and like is uniquely different from the other leaders out there. What, what do you think about it? Right. Yes. Yeah, so like on one hand, yeah, I, like, I've always admired her particularly because she has a style of leadership that is, I would say in, in, in terms of like, gendered behavior like distinctly feminine so she's not going out and grandstanding and giving speeches about how amazing she is which is kind of the standard for um the model of democratic politics we have nowadays right so it's like you go around you talk about how the great things you're going to do and what you're going to achieve and she's she's not blustery she's mm -hmm. very her style is very empathetic and very like I'm trying to connect with my constituency or like mm -hmm. you know my people um and I'm trying to help you and she did it in such an effective way and I don't think there are many examples of leaders on the world stage even on the national stage in the US or in general that I can think of that are able to do this or were able to do this so well. Um, and, you know, she got, she came into office at the age of 37. She yep. 
announced she was pregnant about six months into her term, said she was going to take six weeks of maternity leave and yeah. <laughs> like, look, just like any other job. And yeah, like gonna chill be, out, everybody. <laughs> it's going to be fine. And I just thought, wow, what a cool example of just, you know, that's as a woman, like that's, that's the most womanly thing you can do it's like, <laughs> and, and yes. have like and bring that into the mainstream at like the highest levels of power right like that's what's super cool as well right and just saying unapologetically like this is what i'm gonna do like mm -hmm. we have a whole government in place like we are going to be fine like i will still be prime minister and i'm gonna come back and six weeks later things will be okay um so i think seeing her move to step down in those in that context is very interesting mm -hmm. um in terms of like she's not and again we're talking about like ideas of power that are gendered typically so like yeah. wanting to like remain in power past your time like the hunger for power versus life balance mm -hmm. um that's it's it is very interesting that it's a woman who is doing this. I I have to say I am a little bit like skeptical and yeah. cynical in certain ways just because her domestic polling numbers were going mm -hmm. down and you know does she not want to lose a national election? She's leaving her party to a guy who's, you know, much less charismatic and well liked. She's you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, I would be, I'm very interested to see what she does next. Um, but I think it was a very inter interesting move. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and why I thought it was interesting in the context of politics is that like, sure, on one hand, you could be like, oh, her poll ratings are much lower. You know, she's just leaving before she gets ousted. But right. There are many other leaders with the same bad polling numbers who just hold on to the end, right? So I, I right. thought that part was still very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in business, like we've definitely seen more examples where people are like, I'm out, but it's usually when they have something else lined up or they're just jumping from one, you know, kind of leadership position to another. So I think the idea of like, you know what, this was a good run, I'm gonna end it. I don't know what's next but I'm done with this is really interesting to me. Like, it's not like she has another job lined up. That's, I mean, you can't compare anything to the prime minister, but like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it's not like she's going to run like the UN or something coming out of this. So um, yeah, I mean, that part was really interesting. She good, she good, <laughs> but it's not set. Right. And I feel like we see that more in business is like the mm -hmm. next big thing is set before they're willing to leave. Um, but to say like, we're still in a good spot and I'm going to call it. And, and also just say like, I don't have enough gas in the tank. Like I'm burnt out. I will not be a good enough leader that you need is very humbling and really is such a like hit to someone's ego. Like I, that part I appreciated, like just the honesty of it too. Right. Um, yeah. Again, I don't see other leaders saying like, I'm exhausted and, and you're not going to get what you need out of me. Like I can't provide that the country. Also like that. It makes me feel bad for her in a way. Cause you know that she didn't make this, this decision lightly. Like, no, there was probably a lot of just like agony before doing this. Uh, right. Which I think is generally the case. Like, I don't think a lot mm -hmm. of people quit their, quit their jobs or like, whether it be prime minister or, you know, product manager, like on a right. dime. Like, I think that it does take a lot of, I mean, unless, 
unless you're just like completely fed up and something happens. But generally people are not that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or to dodge a scandal, right? Like they see fair. something going down and they're like, fair I'm enough. getting off the en- Enron train before. It, like, yeah. It. Like it's not yeah. that either. Right. So it's not even to save face. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm interested in this idea of like how to leave at the right time. Mm-hmm. Same. What are, what are some of the examples you've seen of this happening or maybe when this like should have happened? I mean, I definitely think the difference between like British sitcoms and American sitcoms <laughs> is like, yes. they do a lot of limited sit cause they don't have like syndications and all the money that you can make out of TV. Yeah. Right. So it's like, they do these like limited series. They're tight. They're crisp. You know, it's a short story. And in America, we're like, oh, it's making money. Like, let's put it on for a thousand seasons, right? And like, you're just kind of done with the characters by the end. Like our, so. our two, se- like their two seasons of The Office versus our yes. like nine, like exactly. very bloated seasons. I exactly. stopped watching after season five. Yeah. And a lot of times I'm just like, oh no, oh no, it's ending. I'm so sad. But then when it does, I'm like, you know what? That was perfect. Like you went out, like that's a skill set that I'm continuously trying to learn as I get older is like when to leave on a high, when to know it's time to like go on to the next thing and to have faith that there will be another next big thing, whether it's creative, professional, whatever. And so, I mean, this is a small one as well, but um, another podcast that I absolutely adored was um, the Hilo which was by Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. They were like two British novelists um, and they had like one of the highest rated, you know, female podcast in like the UK at the time. And it was wonderful. Like they talked about, you know, articles and um, books and poems and, you know, all this great stuff. And at the same time, like, you know, about Kate Moss. Right. So yeah. I, as again, as like a girl born in the eighties, I absolutely loved it. And I adore the two of them thought they were wicked smart and they stopped it when it was still on a high. And I was like, oh, like, I want more of this. But I, I got it, right? And they all went, they both went on to, like, other great projects. And I really love that. I was like, you know what? Like, they, that was smart of them, right? Because we could have just talked about Hilo things forever. But they they understood there's, like, other cool things that you could be doing. So I, I try to think of how I can instill more of that um, in my own life. Yeah, I mean, I think that, it's a very it's a very difficult thing though if the incentives are still there right yes. so it's like yes. you're like you're unhappy or you don't feel inspired or you feel um, <laughs> much easier to quit <laughs> no but but if you're getting paid a lot or if you're you know it's like minimal yeah minimal like effort, cash cow yeah you're like cash cow. keep this going i think we've both been in jobs where we started yes. to feel a little bit of the drag and unmotivated, but still, yeah. it, it, it's difficult yeah. to it's uh, really hard to leave. You either try to get fired, or you, <laughs> or you leave, and it's easier to try to get fired. Yeah, from anecdotal experience, people. Who yeah. So, what do you think of this like quiet quitting phenomenon? <laughs> oh Lord, I don't know. I mean, I just I generally take a very cynical tack to some of these like coinages Mm -hmm. like like quiet quitting when it's described which is basically it it sounds like you know clocking in clocking out doing the job that's required of you but not going above and beyond Mm kind of sounds like people are just you know 
getting with the program and realizing that they like can't be cajoled in, or exploited into doing more than what's asked of them. Like what's the right. point? Right. You know? Right. I mean, look, if you told me that an employee at like craft food that works on marketing campaigns is quiet quitting, I'm not as worried as if my like physician is quiet quitting. So like, you know, enough. <laughs> like I do not want my surgeon to be quiet quitting. I remember, um, I remember Scott Galloway had this quote like months ago where he's like, if you're, and this is more of like a tech reference, but he's like, if you're quiet quitting, get ready for a very loud layoff, <laughs> so, oh, which I guess you could say is coming true in tech as, as well. But, um, it was just kind of interesting. But yeah, it's just, you're right. Like they come up with these like terms and you're like, is this just slacking off or like being better prioritized at work? Like I can't tell. Or is it that like in, I guess, cause this is like a coming off of COVID term that's been mm -hmm. coined. Yes. I, like, is it just that there were certain things about like constantly being in the office and like feeling this pressure to like, do more and do things like being like physically separated from that has made people realize that I don't have to do all this bullshit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or is it, uh, yeah. you know, apathy or is it true apathy? I think it could be both. I think there's a certain level of like, you know, kind of corporate jobs where let's say you have a team meeting on Monday and you're like, Oh yeah, we're totally going to do this thing. And it's like, Hey Bob, can you, uh, research this and like maybe come up with like three slides for it. And Bob's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then like no one really checks on it. It wasn't really necessary. It was a nice to have. Like I can totally see an aspect where Bob just like nods in the meeting and then just like doesn't do the sort of quasi optional or would be nice things and calls it quiet kidding, quitting. I mean, okay, fair enough. But like, A, there's so many productivity tools like, you know. Yes. Asana and Monday and whatever people mm -hmm. use to like manage those workflows. So like, if that was like, on, if, if that was like a priority, like you'd be able to keep track of it. Like, I, oh, don't totally. Really, oh, totally. I don't really buy the idea that you have to be like looking at somebody in person in order to like make sure they're Oh doing no, work. I'm just saying they're suggesting a bunch of non-priority things, even if it's remote and like whether you choose to do them or not is kind of up for grabs. Like, are you going to go above and beyond your job? In which case you're probably going to go down all those rabbit holes. But if not, you're like, yeah, sure. I'll look into it. And then you just conveniently like procrastinate and delay it forever. <laughs> and then people forget to ask you about it. You know, are you saying, okay. So are you saying that like, it's like, you're like less connected from like the work thing. So you don't feel that like pressure to do things that are like pleasing to your I, I think so. I think like it's still some things that would have naturally fallen off, but it, I think it's just easier for it to fall off when you're not in person. And if nothing else, like mm -hmm. the person doesn't even see you in the hallway to remind you. Right. So it's like a little bit of out of sight, out of mind, I think helps with the non-important tasks you need. Right. Like Bob or Jennifer can't give you like the side eye in the hallway. And right. Just <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, it's interesting. I just, I don't, it's so funny. You mentioned that Scott Galloway quip yeah. earlier. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he's so on point, but sometimes he can be so, I know he's Gen X, but he can seem so boomer. <laughs> oh, I know. He's like, get in the office 800 hours a day. Uh, I know, like, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't, just because somebody's like 
looking at you working doesn't mean you're actually doing something that's productive. Like exactly, exactly. Time, time does not equal output. Yeah. For the record, Scott, if you ever want to be on this podcast, we will happily have you. So, we, yeah, yeah, we do, we do love you. We can battle it out on our yeah. podcast yeah. or yours, whichever is easier. Yeah, invite us. Yeah, prop G, pivot, we'll come. Whatever. Yeah, here's, whatever. Here's free free promo for you. Exactly. <laughs> Did um, I ever tell you a funny Scott Galloway um, story? So. A good friend of mine in New York, uh, he went to NYU Stern. And so Scott Galloway is a professor there. Um, and so he would invite me to like the different Stern events. And he knew that I like Scott Galloway. So there was one event where he was being interviewed um, by some famous reporter in NYU. So I got free tickets, went. And then, you know, there's always a segment at the end where people get asked questions. And I like jumped up because I was near the microphone, like asked a question. This is about well, like he just re recently like published a book or something. Anyway, mm -hmm. so I asked my question and then, you know, it finished or whatever. Months later, a friend sends me the YouTube recording of that interview. And the thing is, like the people that ask the questions from the audience are not on camera. You can just hear them. And she sends me like the recording and she's like, whatever it was like minute 47 she's like is that your voice <laughs> I was like yes <laughs> was oh like, my god so funny she's like were you at this event and did you ask Scott Galloway a question I was like oh my we didn't even talk about it like there was no she just happened to watch this YouTube interview and then send it to me and was like I think you were there right <laughs> I just thought that was so funny like another aspect that yeah. we wanted to talk about which is the economics of quitting exactly um, and so, you know, it's very, I, I think about quitting a job in terms of, it, it's similar to how people think of like relationships and like breaking up with people. If you think that like there's something better for you out there or like there's mm -hmm. more happiness for you out there, you're going to, it's going to be easier for you to leave. A lot of people don't for that reason, for like the fear that like there will be nothing else. Um, mm -hmm. But also the I, people stay in relationships and jobs uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they feel like they've put so much into them. Yes. Um, and then that's basically the sunk cost fallacy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which is an economic term saying that prior costs spent should be considered in terms of future uh, decisions. Yeah. So, yeah. And opportunity costs, like what else you could have been doing with that time that you continue to invest in what you were previously doing. Anyway. Oh, right, right. But that's not helpful because then that's regret. Yeah, <laughs> basically, it's economic, uh, economic term for it. Well, yeah. what's really interesting about this is like, it truly is an economic concept. And mm -hmm. it's something that so many people fall for and give too much weight. And in fact, I remember in business school in certain like finance classes, there would be certain like valuations or kind of calculations around like a, you know, um, around like a company and we were trying to like value it basically. And they would have certain like sunk cost measures in there. And it was almost like a trick question of like whether you included that in your calculation. I just thought that was really funny of like, it's something that we're so used to and it totally trips you up both in your personal life and even like academically. Right. So it's like people, give more weight to sunk costs than they should. <laughs> and it tripped people up on the test too. Right, right. I mean, I think it's it's hardwired in us for some reason. So much, so much, yeah. Uh, what, why do you think that, like, that is really interesting. Like, I, I guess I understand it in terms of like, 
you know, I'm almost done being a lawyer. Or I'm almost done being, you know, an orthodontist or something like, but I guess like, I, I always find it interesting with sports because you're only physically going to be able to play the sport X number more years in your life. Right. It's mm -hmm. different from like an education that, you know, supposedly will supply you with your degree in your profession forever. Um, I don't know. For, for me, things that are you did maybe your whole childhood, but you have like a limited time to do them going forward, i.e. like be a ballerina. I always find those very interesting. Oh, are you thinking about Tom Brady and how he's God, yes. <laughs> oh, he, like, ru God. he ruined his life for one more season of apparently I don't follow football, but from yeah. Twitter, I I've heard he's doing bad. I mean, or he did bad. Yeah, and I like that one. Yeah, you're right. That that's a perfect example of like not knowing when to quit. Jesus Christ. But no, I'm I'm saying like let's say you you know again going back to the ballerina example. Like you've done ballet from age three to now like twenty, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like do you continue another ten years? Maybe you you know what I mean? Like I know you put so much of your life into this. Maybe it's just more has to do with our identity then it actually has to do with like the commitment and the time that we've quote wasted if we walk away. Cause it's a little bit like, well, who am I if I'm not this baseball player or a ballet dancer or whatever, you know, it's right. Hard to know what's next. Like Tom Brady has no idea who he is without being a football player. <laughs> right. But also, I mean, a lot of these things are that you have to be like obsessed with them. You have to like, yes, if you're a ballet dancer or an athlete, like this is all you think about. This is what yes. you do all the time. It doesn't really allow for a lot more, development I mean there have been a, I mean a lot of football players go on to be football coaches or like mm -hmm. you know stay in the arena yeah ballet dancers end up being like teachers or creative directors for like mm -hmm. ballet companies um but yeah that it would be the, the idea of somebody who's trained and is like going to like whatever school of American ballet or mm -hmm. uh and then you know they're 20 and they're like I don't know if I'm ever going to be like a principal dancer. Do I want to, or like you're a, you know, a, you're, you, you get drafted into the NFL, but you're never going to be Tom Brady. Do you just keep doing it? Right. Because it's all right. done. Or do you like try to go to business school? Yeah. <laughs> not, that's, that's not, I don't know why that's my answer, but it just seems like the only other yeah. grad school you would yeah. go to. Um, yeah. No, I can imagine like it, like, if it's such a part of your identity, like, what do you do? Like, I think about that all the time with like Olympic athletes. I'm like, now what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> your entire life was dedicated to this. And yeah, you're right. Nine times out of 10, they're like, okay, I'm just going to have my own like gymnastics. <laughs> Academy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. have you ever quit a job, Rachel? I have a couple times. Yeah. Uh, well, I we won't. both quit our ballet careers. So let's start there. <laughs> Yes, I did. And honestly, that's the one that I'm saddest about. I, know. I was really good. I just, uh, this is another conversation for another time. But like, I like, was a little bit chubby when I was like, a preteen. You were ballet chubby, which means you were totally normal. Being I like. was ballet chubby. Yes, I was. I was not. I look back. I was like, I was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't like that. I didn't. It, it didn't like yeah I don't know I was I was more interested in like developing like social connections and mm -hmm. you know nobody thought my ballet was that if I had more ballet friends maybe it would have made a difference like mm, I think at point. that 
that age, you're very um, susceptible to your peer group. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, in my adult life, I You've have. Quit I have, and it's always been because of uh, ennui. <laughs> or just like this kind of overwhelming boredom and sense it's it was actually more of like a disconnection with the identity of the job so Mm -hmm. when I worked as an economist an economic consultant um I did a lot of work with uh tax structures Mm -hmm. in firms and because I have more of a creative bent and like, uh, that's not really, I always hated the idea of being associated with like taxes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you work in tax. I'm like, I'm not a tax. Yeah. Like I promise I'm a lawyer, economist. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think I hated being put into a box. I still hate that, which is a problem when you have to self brand all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's it takes a lot and mm-hmm. it's and i don't think i was ever i think to like quit and completely redirect yourself towards something that is intentionally better for you and more suited for you takes a lot of courage and i don't think it was something i was fully able to do i just i think that i was able to do that because I had opportunities that fell into my lap that may not have been quite right, but I did have, I did know that there was something else that I was more compelled towards. Um, Yeah. Like you knew deep down and ended up not being consequential, but ultimately you were like, this is not it. (laughs) This is not it. Um, I have known a lot of people, which is easier to just like really try to get fired. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who have like tried to get fired. It's, I wish I could do that. I dream about that. I just like my personality <laughs> could not be more unfit for that. I just be like, oh, but that sounds so great. Like seeing what you can get away with. Yeah. Wait, what about you? Have you have you quit? Well, you quit ballet and I quit ballet. Also very sad about that. Um, I quit retail. <laughs> I had a very brief stint with retail. So all of high school and college. I worked in restaurants, which really fits my personality because it's like super fast paced about like efficiencies and dealing with people. So it's like ideal for me, actually. Um, And then one summer in college, I got a job at Ulta and it was the worst fit in my life. First off, I don't even like Ulta that much. Like I'm not huge on makeup and products. Like I wasn't even excited Mm. about the perks of working there. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, 20% off this nail polish. Like, I don't know. I was like 20% bullshit. Like I'm just saying, like, I I No, but that's like to a certain extent, but not a lot. They should give you free stuff. I know, I know. It just it wasn't Mm. the point is I wasn't even excited about what the products were to begin with. Mm. Like to even Mm. help the customer. And then like, I'm such an incentive-based worker because I was like, wait a second, my paycheck's gonna be the same no matter how hard I work. Like, this is the worst. Like, I know exactly what I'm gonna make. Whereas like in restaurants, like if it was a crazy rush, I mean, time just flew by and you made a ton of money. And then if it wasn't busy, they just cut you so you weren't wasting your time. So I don't know, I was very much more like set for working in like a kind of variable incentive model based. But yeah, I quit Ulta and like got a job at a restaurant. <laughs> I just couldn't handle it. 
see that. I could, yeah, I could definitely see that, especially if you're not getting paid much. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is not working. So, um, anyway, I, I think yeah. like if I'd worked in like I don't know my favorite like clothing store at the time, it would have been better. But I just was so not into the product set. So anyway. Wait, did you have to do like, did you have to like recommend products to people and like be like a saleswoman? Yeah. And like, I just didn't have the patience for it. So I'd be like, man, these are like very similar nail polishes. Like, I don't know what you want to say. Whereas like, I would just dream when like, whatever a man would come in, they're like, hi, I need a comb. I'm like, yes, I'll take this customer. (laughs) Easy peasy. We're done. You know? And like, women were just so interested in the subject. And I was like, I don't have the patience for this. Like, just look at it yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I've never, I've never been to an Ulta because they just came to New York and you know, I have Sephora rewards. So oh, that's I, right. I always yeah. go there. But I feel like sometimes when I ask the people who work there, like, what's this or that? I always think it's funny when they're like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I'm getting the same paycheck whether I answer your question or not. I really yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess uh, the one last question I'd want to ask is, mm-hmm. do you think that this is a temporary phenomenon? Or do you think that mm. this is like Marx's sea change in how people think about work? I'm of two minds. I think in some ways, I think it's temporary in that, um, you know, coming out of COVID and I'll, and I'll say I'm I'm prefacing with by thinking more about the type of jobs and companies I'm familiar with, which is just more of like, I don't know, consulting, banking, tech, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think the move to like flexible work definitely created, like you said, like so many people changing jobs and such a flexible uh, market. I actually think as as much as I hate to admit how much influence Elon Musk has, your favorite person. I think my, the fact that he I think the fact that he um fired so many people at Twitter and yet the product still stands, I think secretly like other CEOs are like, Oh, well, if he can fire 70%, well, surely we can do 15-20. So in a way, I, I think this whole quitting phenomenon's temporary because I think companies are now gonna start doing more and more layoffs to trim some fat. Mm -hmm. Um, We see this already with tech, right? Um, And and other industries to come. So I feel like that's going to stop the quitting a bit when like the market in general gets tight. Mm -hmm. But longer term, I don't know. I don't know like what the future of work is between like working from home, flexibility, digital tools, AI, chat, GBT. Like I, I, it's a really good point. I have, I'm so unsure what the future of work, especially office work will look like that. I don't know if this is a permanent change or not, but I think for the immediate, it's a little bit of like, it was the employees market and now it's going to be like the employer's market for a little bit. Um, that's Fair enough. What about you? Um, yeah, actually I was just, when you were saying that I was just thinking about chat GPT because yeah. So this is, for people who don't know, like an AI tool that's come out, it can do like image generation, it can do text generation, and it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's scary to a lot of people who yeah. especially work in like creative fields, like writers, uh, illustrators and stuff. Um, and it like somebody, I saw some like tweet today where somebody fed it, like uh, announced that we're cutting off like 7% of our staff uh, mm-hmm. laying off 7% of our staff, we are giving our like corporate exec team bonuses and raises for the great who, job who they're doing. Who no, is this is just, this was just some, oh, this was, no, this was a chat GPT experiment. Oh, it was I like, see. this is like input. It was like, announce that 
We are getting yeah. like we are doing seven percent layoffs. We're giving our corporate exec staff like bonuses, raises, and also include a Martin Luther King quote. Oh gosh! <laughs> and it was like so. I mean, it was so like glib oh in that like horrible like <laughs> tech parody way. Um, like, I have a dream to trim the fat of this company. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it terrible. was terrible. But it was also, I was like, oh my God, like the yeah. stuff has gotten good. So yeah, I think to sidebar that, like I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that AI will replace people. Yeah. Anytime, like I think every technology until now has like just like freed people up to do different things that were yeah. previously mechanical. Uh, but yeah, the quitting phenomenon I think is cute. I think it's mm-hmm. like, post-COVID, mm-hmm. but I, I do agree. think it will cause a reckoning of like how companies keep people at their jobs. Like what kinds of like, do, do we like try to inculcate them with this? Like you are part of a team, like mm-hmm. you are, this is your identity. Like this is our culture and you are one of us or, you know, I don't know, just pay them a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know, don't expect free work to be done for no pay. That's my ideal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good point. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, okay. Rachel, what would be your recommendation for this week? Um, so my recommendations are, okay, I have two. Uh, one is the Hidden Brain Podcast, which is a psychology podcast, I believe produced by NPR. Uh, yeah. And it's, it does it does a lot of topics related to work culture and how we interact with people and how we think about our jobs and just like gets into the like subconscious instincts that make us feel and think the way we do. Um, it's, I found it useful and insightful and comforting at different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second recommendation is if you just feel really fed up if you want, you want to feel some kind of, uh, you know, connection with the fuck it feeling. <laughs> the movie Office Space. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't recommend, nor am I endorsing, you know. <laughs> Rachel, what is it that you'd say you do here? Yeah. <laughs> oh. But it's so like what oh it's so, just like the pointless tasks yeah. so that yeah I yeah. don't I, I'm I a don't, people person yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't I don't endorse blowing up the office or stealing from the company or anything like yeah. that but it's just a great movie about being frustrated with work uh, oh god and in lots of different ways like even like Jennifer Aniston with her pieces of flair like why do I have to pretend to love this like it's my job so good so yeah. good. Anyway, what about what about you? Uh, my recommendation is an oldie but a goodie. Uh, it is the Freakonomics podcast episode from 2011. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, going, I'm going way back. But the episode is called The Upside of Quitting. So you can search for that. Um, and it's very on topic. And again, they cover it from a very, um, I would say, economic angle. But they have a wide ranging variety of stories about um, people that quit. And they really do go in depth about the sunk cost fallacy as well, which is obviously an economic term. So I highly recommend that podcast to anyone. Cool. That one sounds more productive um, than <laughs> watching Office Space, but. Office Space is so great. 
It's so good. It's so good. And it like remains relevant. It's has, so like, relevant. It's- the guy named Michael Bolton, he's like, why should I change my name? He's the one that sucks. Like, I don't know why, but every time I hear the name Michael Bolton, like, that's that's the line I think of. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, what, like, 25 years later, it's so funny. But doesn't that tell you something that, like, that, si- that sort of parody about work still rings true? Because clearly we're doing the same shit. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be irrelevant. That was also, like, I, I think it also has to be said, that was, like, about, like, the early tech era. Like, mm-hmm. early tech companies. Yeah. So like it was it was some like random software company and it was right like, just the start and that stuff is still happening. Still happening. We we totally get it. So anyway, awesome. Well, thank you everybody. Join us next time. Thanks guys. We'll see Bye. you next time. Bye.